0: Another good week to be a Giants fan. I mean, they're not they're not playing great teams, but oh, isn't it nice to be back? Five hundred two and two. Daniel Jones. 2-0 as a starter, getting this team back to 500. Welcome to the Wide Right Podcast, Episode 3. I'm your host, as always, Ryan Honey, presenting this on EliteSportsNewYork.com. The Giants head into, are now heading into Week 5, 2-2, two and two, game back in the division. Um, I mean, hey, Daniel Jones, 2-0 as a starter. I mean, I'm, what more can you ask for? came in... Um, You know, week three of his rookie year, and it's just, he's impressed thus far. I know he made some mistakes in the week four game, week four win over the uh, Washington Redskins, which we'll talk about right now. We'll sort of segue into that, get into that, then get into some news, and then, as always, segue into the uh, previewing the upcoming game, which is the week five game against the Vikings. But um, yeah, he made some mistakes, Daniel Jones did, but he ultimately got the win. That is the ultimate statistic as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Can you win games? And he's been able to win games. I mean, he's been able to lead this team to victory twice now, in two weeks. Um, this team looked like dead in the water, 0-2, to start off the year, um, you know, in a division that includes Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. Um, you know, before halftime of the week week three games, Saquon went down and it looked, you know, like it was going to be another lot. But now... No, back to five hundred. Twenty-four um, to three win over the Washington Redskins. Jones uh, was twenty-three for thirty-one, two hundred and twenty-five yards. Had a touchdown pass to Wayne Gallman, uh, I believe, on the first offensive drive of the game, and he did throw two interceptions, which I do want to talk about. Um, I wrote about this, and I understand, hey, why you're repeating content, but I feel like this aspect and this sort of message needs to be relayed to as many eyes and as many ears as possible. Um, do not be alarmed and do not be worried by the two almost back-to-back interceptions that Jones, Jones threw on Sunday. It's okay to have a jerk reaction to them. I had a jerk reaction to them, you know, watching the game live. Um, I was It gets to a point where it's like, dude, like, what the hell are you doing? Like, figure it out. But these mistakes remind us of the term rookie mistake. And that's what they are. They're rookie mistakes. He doesn't need to be a perfect quarterback right now. He doesn't need to go out there this season um, and throw for 30-plus th- touchdowns and eclipse 4,000 yards and have this completion percentage. He doesn't need to do that. He needs to come in for the time being, win football games for this team, and learn the position of a starting NFL quarterback all at the same time, which he's doing and which he's doing right now at a pretty good rate. He's 2-0. I mean, what better start can you ask for? I would have taken 1-1. and But 2 and is even better, obviously. I mean, what more can you ask for from Jones right now? Those mistakes, I would not worry about them right now. Look at the mistakes some quarterbacks have made in their rookie year that they didn't make in their sophomore campaign. Carson Wentz. Jared Goff. Mitch Trubisky, even though not a lot of people are high on Trubisky. The mistakes they made... In year one to year two, they improved on those mistakes. Each of those guys did. And all these quarterbacks do. Most of them do. Nathan Peterbin, nah. Not at all. But most of these quarterbacks figure it out from year one to year two. And I understand the jerk reaction to Jones' two picks. But those will be corrected. Um, and he'll be fine going forward. Absolutely. Uh Another another big name I wanted to talk about a little bit, not big name obviously, but considering he's primarily a backup running back, but had a good game on Sunday, Wayne Gallman, 18 rushes, 63 yards and a touchdown, caught six balls, 55 yards, also had a touchdown through the air. Um, he is definitely a reliable back to have while Saquon is out with the injury. Um, it's unclear when Saquon's going to return. Uh, hoping uh, the Giants won't rush him back, but we'll get into that in a little bit, but Gallman is a reliable back to have right now, especially in the passing game. He's versatile. Um, he could catch the swing passes out of the backfield. He can manage the short yardage downs. He can you know pick up the first down on a second and two or third and two, things like that. He, he's not Saquon, obviously, but no one is Saquon. Saquon is in his own league. Gaulman is a reliable, and he's not a horrible option to have back there for the time being. And when Saquon comes back, whenever that is, they could run. The Giants could definitely run a two running back set, or have Goleman get even more opportunities than he's had in the past because of what he's showing thus far. So I mean, if Goleman sort of continues his success, he had a you know good great success in Sunday's win. You know, on the, not so much on the ground, but just overall. I mean, it's shown to be a very versatile option. I mean, if he keeps showing this, he could eventually be he he could be used a lot more even when Saquon is back. I'm not saying he's going to start over Saquon. Obviously, that's impossible. But they could the Giants could definitely use him in certain circumstances even when Saquon returns to the field. Um, but the real great aspect of this game, I wanted to I wanted to definitely touch upon the most. When talking about this game, was the defense finally showed up. The secondary finally showed up. I understand it's different when you're playing quarterbacks such as Case Keenum, who's not a franchise quarterback. Uh Dwayne Haskins finally got some playing time this regular season. He's not yet a franchise quarterback. Um, you know, as a Giants fan, I'm hoping he's not going to become a franchise quarterback because he's on the Redskins. If he goes to somewhere else, then best of luck. But for right now, you, obviously, I don't want him to play well. Um, but the defense finally stepped up. I mean, Jabril, Jabril Peppers has finally been making the play. Fans have been wanting him, have been waiting for him to make. uh Pick six in the third quarter off Haskins, uh, who threw three picks, by the way. So it seems like Jones has the upper hand already in the Jones-Haskins era. We're going to see a lot of Jones-Haskins battles, I feel like, in the near future, considering they'll play each other twice a year. And considering they have a connection, you know, the Giants sort of passed up on Haskins for Jones. There was a lot of talk of the Giants drafting Haskins back in April. Didn't happen. But yeah, so Jones has the upper hand um, already. Uh, You know, I mean, I guess he has more talent than Haskins has around them right now. The Redskins are just god-awful at this point, 0-4. But um, back to my original point, yeah, Jabril Peppers finally made the play. Fans have been waiting for him to make. Um, And Janoris Jenkins, credit me, he must have listened. I'm going to say this. I'm just going to assume this. Janoris Jenkins listened to last week's episode of this podcast, heard me... Trashing him the entire time, trashing him about how he wants everyone to call him, you know, the nickname and how, you know, he's calling out teammates already. And it's like, dude, like, worry about not sucking first. Um, and he went, I, so credit me for his big game on Sunday because he listened to the podcast. He came out and he had some extra fire in him because of what I said. So, and that led to him having a great game. And he did have a great game. Three past. Three pass deflections. He had two picks in the second half, both off of Haskins. Um, but once again, threw three picks. Want to preface that again? Haskins threw three interceptions, more than Jones. Uh, so I'm putting that out there. I'm leaving it out there. Um, so that was great. I thought that the secondary played well. The whole defense played well. I mean, when you when you allow 35 points in week one to the Cowboys, 28 to the Bills, 31 to the Bucks, and then only three. Uh, again, it's the Redskins, they're not great, but it's still a great improvement from the first three weeks. I thought they played well. Um, Marcus Golden Golden had another, uh, he had half a sack, so now he leads the team with three and a half sacks. He's really shaping up to be a good signing. I actually love him. Um, I think he brings that tenacity uh, and sort of aggressiveness to the pass rush that was sort of non-existent last year. Um, he already leads the team in sacks to four games. Uh, I think he's proving to be, he's shaping up to be a great and a cheap uh, free agent pickup for the Giants this offseason. Uh, I mean, say what you want about Dave Gettleman, but Gettleman's looking good with this, with this pickup. Uh, he's playing well. He's playing better than Lorenzo Carter, who I thought was going to be the number one pass rusher this year. Uh, so kudos to Golden. Um, Ryan Connolly, unfortunately, we'll talk about his injury in a little bit, but he... Um, He had another great game, one sack, one interception, a second uh, interception in two games. So he had two picks on the year. Sadly, that season's coming to a quick end, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. uh, Because before that, I want to get into some former Giants, current Redskins. Been waiting to talk about this. Um, Landon Collins, so Landon Collins obviously signed that six-year $84 million deal back in March. Uh, beginning middle of March, after the Giants let him walk, um, did not franchise tag him, did not sign him to a long term deal. They let him walk. He signed with the Redskins in free agency. Um, after the game, he basically said he couldn't be himself with the Giants. We said he could finally be himself with his new team. And someone asked, "Could you be yourself with the Giants?" And he said, "No." Uh, perceive that as you wish. You know, obviously, we don't know what happens inside the locker room. We don't know what's what happened. You know with him and Gettleman. But, obviously, Collins doesn't have a good feeling about Gettleman or the Giants organization. But, perceive that as you will. I mean, you can, he can say what he wants. And I'm, you know, as a Giants fan myself, um, ha- I was grateful to have him on the team. He was a great talent. He still is a great talent. He's going to be a great talent for his career, the rest of his career. Um, so, I don't really have m- many bad things to say about Landon Collins. But, I I mean, take that, perceive that as you wish. It's it's kind of like a whatever at this point with him talking about the Giants. Um, Another, but see, that's a giant. That's a former giant. Fans actually loved when he was on the team because there's another current Redskin former giant that fans want to forget about and keep on, you know, moving on from him, and that's Eric Flowers. Um, if you don't remember Eric Flowers, I'm sure you do. You don't. You probably don't want to remember him, but you do anyway. Eric Flowers was arguably one of the worst, if not the worst, offensive linemen on the Giants in recent memory. And if you take the list of bad offensive linemen that the Giants have employed in recent memory, that list is long. I mean, Flowers, Bobby Hart, Chad Wheeler, Spencer Pulley, who's still on the team. Uh, Marshall Newhouse. I mean, these are this is a long list of recycled offensive linemen that have been employed by the Giants, who were just bad, just not good, athletic offensive linemen. Uh, Eric Flowers. I mean, if you're going to put the worst at the top of the list, he's at the top, if not near it. So, and it's you know, it's another you're looking back, it's another bad pick by Jerry Reese. They picked him ninth overall in the 2015 draft. One pick before the Rams took Todd Gurley. I mean, that's something I, as a fan, you 100% want to forget. But anyway, back to my point, he, Flowers said that MetLife Stadium will be empty again when the team goes back to losing. Um, I, I mean, bro, you're on a team that's 0-4. I mean, that's when the team goes, what are you talking about? That's one of those things where you just sit and you're like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, what is that statement? When the team goes back to losing, the stadium will be empty. Dude, your team's 0 4. They're horrible. I, wa- I watched this team play on Monday Night Football, week three, against the Chicago Bears. They were atrocious. Trubisky, who's not even having the best year, torched them. Taylor Gabriel, torched them. It was embarrassing. Don't be saying, oh, when they go back to losing, the stadium will be empty. That's just false. And he went on to trash the Giants organization, the fan base, said something about Gettleman, said something about Pat Shermer. I mean, dude, this fan base has the right to hate you. You were horrible. You were awful. As I said before, you were the worst, if not one of the worst, offensive linemen that the Giants employed in recent memory. And that list of offensive linemen that were bad is a long list. You want, you're wondering why fans don't like you? It's because you sucked, dude. You weren't good at all. That's why you've now been on three different teams in the last 365 days. Because pe- this league has realized that you're not great. The Giants are grateful that you're on a division rival because you're not great. You're not good. So, had to touch upon that. Um... Get into detail on that to end that sort of segment of this podcast. Um, let's get into some news before I want to get before I get into the uh, week five uh, matchup against the Minnesota Vikings coming up uh, this coming Sunday at MetLife Stadium, 1 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, definitely get into some news. So as I said before, I would mentioned this: Ryan Connolly, uh, rookie inside linebacker, Giants drafted him uh, round five, pick 143, I believe. Um, in this year's NFL draft. He is out for the season, landed awkwardly in the win on Sunday against Washington. Uh, He tore his ACL. Um, Huge, huge blow for the Giants. Connolly was shaping up to be one of their better defensive standouts uh, and possibly their best defensive rookie. I I thought he's played a lot better than DeAndre Baker has or Dexter Lawrence has. Um, You know, Corey Ballanty doesn't really count. He hasn't gotten as many snaps in the last week or so. Um so I thought I mean I thought he was shaping up to be the best defensive rookie uh and it's just a huge loss for the Giants he he took the starting role in week 2 after Tay Davis lost his job so it was like week 1 happened and Connolly was already in there Connolly was al- already you know starting um week 2 against the Bills uh and in, in four games in those three starts but four games total cuz he did play in the week 1 game against uh Dallas you know, 20 combined tackles, one sack, two interceptions. He he's done what the Giants have asked him to do. He's a productive linebacker. Here. He's always in the backfield, um, and it's just it's just a huge loss for the Giants. Him being out for the year, uh, torn ACLs are obviously tough. Uh, it's going to take a while for him to recover, but he's looking for uh, you know obviously a speedy recovery. All everyone's looking for him to recover quickly. Um, and be back on the field for the 2020 season. Uh, He's going to be one of the... I truly believe he's going to continue to be a great aspect for this defense come his sophomore campaign in 2020. Um, But that being said, now the inside linebacker spot for the Giants is now depleted. Um, Hopefully they can get Alec Ogletree back. Ogletree was out this past week with a hamstring injury. Um, But the thing is, even Ogletree isn't even as reliable as... um, Connolly was. Pretty sure Ogletree, i pretty sure out of all the pro football focus grades last year for the Giants, Ogletree was in the bottom five, I believe. Or even Ogletree. I mean, he's a captain. Uh, he's a veteran. I mean, even he's not reliable that spot. Connolly was better than him. So, the Giants are very depleted at that spot, and you know, placing Connolly on the season in season ending injured reserve list makes it even more depleted. And then in response, in the very in a giant's way, they went out and signed someone, I guess, to replace Connolly, that doesn't play the same position. They went out and they well they, they didn't sign they claimed Chris Peace off of waivers um, after they placed Connolly on IR who is an undrafted free agent out of the University of Virginia? This is his first year in the pros. He's a defensive end. He's not even an inside linebacker. It's like, gentlemen, you're depleted at the inside linebacker position. Go get an inside linebacker. You don't need an edge rusher right now. We the Giants have edge rushers, Marcus Golden, Lorenzo Carter. You know they have these guys. O'Shane Zimenez. They have these guys at the edge rusher position. The edge rusher position. They don't need another one. They need an inside linebacker, but nonetheless, they signed Chris Peace, who was originally an undrafted free agent out of UVA, signed with the Chargers, um, played in their opening game against Indianapolis. He's been waived and re-signed multiple times since then. Um, I mean, the kid can play. 13 games last year for UVA, had 63 combined tackles, 10 tackles for loss, 6.5 sacks, 2 forced fumbles. Uh, 7.5 and, and 6.5 and sacks in his last two seasons at UVA, respectively. Um, so he could play. He could definitely rush the quarterback. He could definitely add that fire to the pass rush for the Giants. But he's not an inside linebacker. They need inside linebackers right now. Especially when they're coming up on this game against a great running back in Dalvin Cook. They need inside linebackers to plug those holes and shoot the gaps. And that they, they should not be going out and claiming uh, edge rushers right now. But... Moving on to my next point, my final point in the news segment of this podcast, um, Saquon Barkley is out of the walking boot. Obviously, that's usually good news. That usually means the he's sort of ahead of schedule when it comes to the four to eight. Um, so his timetable for return is four to eight weeks. They said it's looking more on the longer side of that, um, but since he's out of the walking boot. Uh, it seems he's ahead of schedule. I mean, that's great and all, but I much rather the Giants not rush him back. Um, if you're a basketball fan, you saw what the Warriors did when they rushed back uh, Kevin Durant in the finals. He ruptured his Achilles. Now he's gonna. He's not on. He's now he's signed for the Bro- to the Brooklyn Nets, but he's not gonna play the entire season the entire 2019-2020 season because of this ruptured Achilles. The last thing the Giants need is for Barkley to go through the same injury because then that means he's out for over a year. That means he's going to miss. He would If he comes back, if they rush him back and something like that happens, not saying it's a ruptured Achilles specifically, but it's a major injury, major injury if they rush him back, he'll be out for a long, long, long time. And that's the last thing the Giants want happen to their star running back. So, great that he's out of the walking boot. That's awesome. But do not rush him back. If you're the Giants, don't, you know, don't look at this and say, hey, we're ahead of schedule. Keep the same schedule. Try to win as many games as possible without him so you're in position, you're still in contention when he's able to be cleared and he's able to return to the field. Um, All right, we're going to segue into... The final segment of this podcast. Um, gonna preview the Week Five Giants Vikings game. So this game's this coming Sunday at MetLife Stadium, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Second straight uh, game at MetLife Stadium uh, for the Giants before they head to um, New England. They head to Foxborough to play the the Patriots uh, on Thursday night of next week. So that'll be that'll be interesting, but. You know, as I said before, they're going to need to contain Dalvin Cook. The Vikings' running back is the Vikings' top talent. That is their most talented weapon right now. That's their number one guy. They need to contain Dalvin Cook, and it's bad timing for the Giants that they now have z- not many inside linebackers. You know, David Mayo, maybe Tuzar Skipper, can who they claimed a couple weeks ago can you know form into an inside linebacker role. But, they, it's it's tough right now. They don't have any inside linebackers to contain Dalvin Cook. I mean, he's averaging 5.8 yards per carry, 102.5 yards per game, which is crazy. Um, 410 yards on the year so far, five touchdowns. Um, I mean, doesn't come out a great time for the Giants, but... That means, that just means their defensive linemen, you know, Dexter Lawrence, the rookie, Dalvin Tomlinson, BJ Hill, they're going to need to step up and plug the holes. Olsen Pierre, as well, uh, the veteran who they signed um, in free agency this past offseason, previously played in Arizona with James Betcher. He's going to need to have a big game as well. They're going to need to plug the holes. They're going to need to step up big because this inside linebacker spot is once again depleting. Um,. And that's how that is going to be their main focus: is containing Dalvin Cook throughout this game, because that's again that's the Vikings' number one guy. The Kirk Cousins and the passing game isn't their number one guy right now. If you watch the Vikings Bears game this past Sunday, Adam Thielen, their top wide receiver, is calling Kirk Cousins out. They can't throw the ball. So I mean, I'm all for Cousins. I've always had. Um, I guess a soft spot for Cousins, even though he was on the Redskins. I always thought he was pretty good. I mean, statistically, he was good last year. 30 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. But as I said earlier in this podcast, the number one statistic for quarterbacks is win games. The Vikings have receivers for him, a running back for him, a defense for him, and Kirk Cousins went 8-7-1 and one last year and missed the playoffs. So, I mean... Cousins has got to win some games at at some point. He's he's statistically good, but right now, doesn't seem like a lot of Vikings fans are on Cousins' side. Um, but on certain passing downs, they the Giants' defense cannot let her Cousins get rid of the ball. Um, if you pass rush him and get in his face, he's one of those quarterbacks. He'll screw up. You know, as a defense, you would much rather have. Kirk Cousins hold onto the ball than to get it in Adam Thielen and Steph- or Stefan Diggs' hands. I mean, this secondary was great last on Sunday. Doesn't mean it's going to trickle into this upcoming game next Sunday or this upcoming Sunday. You know, it's... Who knows what the secondary is going to be like this Sunday against... This Vikings receiving core is a lot better than the Redskins receiving core, to say the least. So, this pass rush is going to need to... Get keep Kirk Cousins holding the ball. They're gonna to need to get in his face. They're gonna to need to force him to make bad decisions. They're gonna to need to force him to hold on to the ball. Much rather have the ball in Kirk Cousins' hands than in Adam Thielen or Stephon Diggs or Kyle Rudolph's hands. Um, they're gonna, you know, Marcus Golden is gonna to have to build upon his great performances thus far. Lorenzo Carter's gonna to need to step up. O'Shane Zimenez may get some time rushing the quarterback. They need to get in Kirk Cousins' face. He will screw up. He will make bad decisions, and the secondary will follow after that. I mean, Cousins is only averaging 183.8 passing yards per game. You know, only three touchdowns and two picks this year, so he's not he's not playing fantastic. Get in his face; good things will happen for the Giants' defense. As far as offensively, um, you know, this offense is going to need to spread the field a lot. Um, they need to. Run a lot of play action, keep this Vikings defense on their toes, uh, maybe run a, maybe run some hurry up, keep this defense you know moving, get them you know tire them out. This is one of the better that, this is one of the better defenses the Giants will face all season. I mean, Minnesota's 11th in the league in rushing yards allowed per game, 94.2. They're even better in passing yards allowed per game with 218.5 allowed per contest. That's ninth in the NFL. So this is one of the better defenses they'll face all year. They're going to need to, you know, run play action, open it up for the passing game, opening up, open it up for the big play, for the more explosive plays. Run a little hurry up. Keep this defense on their heels. Um, utilize Wayne Gallman in the passing game. You know, keep this defense guessing. Keep them confused. Um... And as I said before, spread the field. With this talented defensive backfield in Minnesota, the more weapons in the passing game the Giants have, the better. Which is perfect timing because Colton Tate will be back from suspension. Colden Tate's going to be playing his first game. Obviously, four game suspension, PEDs, you know, whatever. He appealed it. Uh, you know, whatever. He didn't get the appeal. You don't really get the appeal ever. I mean, it's a no tolerance policy. So the, the fact that he thought he could get that he could appeal it is, you know, Weird, but whatever. Um, he's finally back, so that's perfect timing for the Giants. Um, you know, Sterling Shepard has been playing well. He's back and healthy. He missed the Buffalo game week two, but he's back. Um, you know, they the more weapons, the better. Put Evan Ingram out there in the slot. Put him split wide. Maybe put him in the backfield in certain plays. Keep this defense guessing. The more weapons on the field, the more you could spread the field against this Minnesota defense. The better. So spread the field against their defense. Rush, pass rush. Kirk Cousins, the defensive linemen step up. Contain Dalvin Cook. I feel like the Giants could definitely win this game. Uh, improve to three and two, above 500 on the year. Um, first time above 500, I believe. If they are to win, if they are to win on Sunday, go 3-2, and two, I believe that's the first time since 2016, yeah, 2016, that they would be above 500. So, looking for a big win on Sunday, I believe the Giants can do it in front of their home crowd, uh, get to 3-2, and two, heading into New England next Thursday, which again, um, I'll preview that next week, but... Just telling you right now, that's looking to be an interesting game. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see when that time comes. But for now, uh, signing off, I'm Ryan Honey. Thank you for listening to the Wide Right Podcast. Uh, go Big Blue. And I'll see you next week.